0: The Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd get slapped with a diagnosis of African trypanosomiasis if you bit me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Relationships with funders. There's too much transactionalism and not enough relationship building between nonprofits and their institutional funders. Are you a transactionalist? Do you wanna to walk toward the light of relationship fundraising with foundations and corporations? Siobhan Richardson can help you. She's CEO of Think and Inc Grant Consulting. On Tony's Take Two, podcast pleasantries, Redux. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits, Your Story is Their Mission, turn 2co I'm very pleased to welcome Siobhan Richardson to the show. She is founder and CEO of Think and Inc. Grant Consulting. She worked as a program manager for a corporate funder, deploying over a million dollars in grants and sponsorships to Atlanta nonprofits. Now she gets grants for her clients and has successfully leveraged over $25 million in funding. She's a Forbes thought leader and serves on the board of directors for the Grant Professionals Association. She's at Siobhan Richson, and her company is at thinkandinkgrants.com. Welcome to Nonprofit Radio, Siobhan.
1: Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having
0: me. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Uh, Do you know the Siobhan Richardson who stole your name from Twitter before you? Before you could <laughs> grab it?
1: Well, I wish I could hunt her down and get her her uh, Twitter tag. Yeah, that would be more convenient for sure. You uh, <laughs>
0: so you haven't you have not threatened her?
1: Not yet, not yet. But if you All find right. her, let me know. Okay.
0: <laughs> well, we know how to find her on Twitter. She's Shavon Richardson. Yes. Uh, we don't like her. Yeah, no, you're we do Shavon Richardson. Okay. Yeah. On yeah. Twitter. So you have the uh, background of being. A program manager. You are concerned that, and I, I obviously you saw this as a program manager that folks are are too transactional, right? Just, they 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 submit these blind applications. They they don't have relationships with with mm-hmm. program managers like you. You want to like you used to be. You want to turn that around.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I was a, a program manager at Bank of America Foundation. Uh, oversaw a lot of the um, um, grants that came in and sponsorships that would come in, reviewed applications, build relationships with nonprofits. And I think my biggest pet peeve was um, someone submitting what we call a cold application without any outreach to our office or any connection or we knew anything about.
0: So even with Bank of America, we can we can have we can we can establish a a relationship with a person at Bank of America Foundation. That's doable.
1: It is doable.
0: Okay. All right. And I presume the folks with the relationships have a better shot of getting funded, right?
1: Well, I think overall, just in general, we're talking about any funder, right? Whether it's a corporate funder or a family foundation or any sort of private foundation, the more they know about you and more about your nonprofit organization and more about the really valuable work that you're doing, um, the more they're in the position to make a determination whether they want to invest and in support that the work you do. So it's all a part of getting to know you, you getting to know them and making sure that there's an appropriate
0: match. Because the the program manager is, is, is basically an advocate. For your grant application, right? If if they believe in it, then they have to bring it up. Uh, obviously, certainly at Bank of America, you had to bring things up to folks folks above to 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 get approved funding. So, like, aren't you? Uh, isn't the program manager basically the advocate for the grants that that uh, he or she believes in? well
1: you know they can be an advocate right it, it just really depends because every funder is different right so you know some funders will have the program managers make the decision as a group as to who gets funding sometimes the program managers are in a position to kind of gather all the applicants maybe writing a summary uh what the program is, and then maybe forwarding it to a board of directors or a committee or a group of nonprofit leaders that are responsible for actually making the decision. But either way, a program manager is involved in the process. um, And the more they know about you, the more that, you know, there might be some opportunities for them to be an advocate if it's appropriate.
0: Okay. So if we're thinking about uh, let's start with the corporate since you were on the corporate side. And then we'll talk We'll talk about foundations too. Um, but let's start with the, the corporate side. H- how do you, well, I guess it starts with research. You got to make sure you're talking to a corporation that funds the type of work that you do in the area where you are, right? So it starts with good research.
1: Yep. It starts with research, um, you know, especially large funders, large corporate funders, they get a lot of emails and calls from everyone, right, about different things, Um, But if you just start with going to their website and learning more about their given priorities every corporate funder has giving priorities or their focus areas on their website. You want to make sure that the work that you're doing is in line with one of those focus areas so that you're not reaching out to a funder to say, hey, do you support this really cool thing that I'm doing? When it's already very clear on their website that they do or they don't. Uh, Oftentimes they'll have like a little survey of yes or no questions to see if uh, you'll be eligible to apply. So that's that's the first step. Uh, The next step would be kind of... um, the outreach right some will say hey we don't have the capacity to entertain phone calls if you want to engage with us please send in a LOI which in our industry is considered a letter of intent or a letter of interest so that's just a quick summary of your program for them to get to know you others have just a general inbox um, email that you'll find on their website if you have questions you know here is a way to contact us. So those are kind of like the first ways to start connecting with a potential corporate funder and build a relationship.
0: So if they're one that's willing to take calls, you, uh, you pick up the phone and w- what do you say? Well, I,
1: I say they, well, at least I can say, at least for our clients, that it's a very strategic uh, conversation. Yeah, um, we okay, actually don't plan. Don't <laughs> <just> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just don't pick up, up the, the phone, phone and say, oh, and say "Hey." Oh, they take
0: calls. Oh, they take calls. Cool. Let <laughs> me let me chat them up about my work. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So, what do you think? Of, what What are you planning before you pick before you do pick up the phone?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, if you're able to get someone on the phone, it's it's always good to have at least one or two people that you've connected with um, as far as their contact information, right? Because folks leave. Folks come and go all the time. So the one person that you've connected with, if they leave, then you're, you're kind of out of luck. So it's right. good to at least have, you know, two contacts, right? Um, if you reach out via telephone to arrange some time on someone's calendar or via email, uh, I would always say limited to 15 minutes, right? They're busy people. And in that 15 minutes, you have a clear understanding of what you're talking about. Uh, oftentimes with our clients, these are scripted conversations that we plan. Well, not scripted word for word, but we do have a strategy as far as what we want our clients to share during those conversations and really stick to it. Um, In in the end, leave a few minutes for any questions. Um, Always end with like a follow up. Like, hey, you know, how can we stay connected? Is it okay if I, you know, send you a letter from a person we just recently helped, or how can we stay connected? And, and and that's a start, right? And to keep it a warm connection, right? Figure out ways to keep them engaged, to always keep them abreast of the work that you're doing. And I think the key point is to do this, regardless if there's a pending grant deadline. Do this okay, when there's cool. no grant deadline, right?
0: Sorry. I was going to ask about that. Okay, so there's no <laughs> there's no even grant deadline yet. You're just opening the channel before so that you, know, you you you've you've made the point in a couple of your uh, blog posts or, or videos that you know don't wait until two weeks before you, a deadline you know try to open a conversation yeah. you, you've you've set yourself up like maybe not definitely for failure but you've you've made it a lot harder on everybody so so this is when, before there isn't even a dead, before there's even a deadline posted
1: exactly and you know sometimes if you do this work without a deadline sometimes when a grant does come de- uh, down the pipeline they'll reach out to you. And they'll say, hey, you know, we've been talking for the last six months. I think this is a good opportunity for you. Check it out. And they'll just forge you a great opportunity. And that's that's even better, right? Because that means that you're top of mind for them.
0: It's time for a break. Turn to communications. You know the relationships that Turn 2 has. These are examples. Examples. The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, CBS Market Watch, The Chronicle of Philanthropy. Those are the biggest. They have others and they'll make others. Others where you belong, where they can help place you. So that when there's a news hook that you belong in, they know who to call. They've got the relationships. Relationships. That's how you get yourself positioned in the media that you want when you want it. They're at turn twoco Now back to relationships with funders. You see the symmetry here? You see you see how it's all connected with the relationship theme, transcending. It's resplendent with relationships. Unbelievable. So in that phone call or in these series of calls or the, as you're keeping in touch with them, you're you're trying to show them how your work aligns with their funding priorities? I mean, especially in that first like you said 15-minute phone call, you're trying to hook them into what you do and how it overlaps with what they fund, right?
1: Exactly. And I think what people go wrong is that they just, they're just they just so excited just to share all the work that they're doing <laughs> and they make it about them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, these, especially corporate funders, this is not an altruistic uh, <laughs> giving. It's like, it's a reason why they're investing in you is it's because you're aligning with what they need to do. So always to keep the funder in mind and making sure that you are aligning to what they are looking for.
0: And then- over time, as you're keeping in touch, is it okay to like, email them when you maybe have a big success or, I don't know, uh, email them a- announcements maybe about a couple of new board members? I mean, uh-huh. is that kind of stuff appropriate? Is that, is that a good way to be keeping in touch with them?
1: Exactly right. Exactly right. Press releases, um, updates, uh, new things that are happening. That's always good to, to kind of keep them in a the loop. I, I discourage people from including them on your mass uh, newsletter distribution list. Okay. Um, that's a big no-no. Definitely any personalized communication. If you want to extract information from your newsletter... That's fine. But let it be personal. Let it be from the executive director. Uh, I know I personally have smiled when I've received stuff in the mail. Like I've received pictures of those that we've helped Uh, With a little handwritten letter and crayon. Hi, thank you so much for the the grant. That's a tearjerker. And a lot of times I would put them up in my office. I was just going to
0: say that. I bet you put them up in your office. (laughs) I put
1: them up in my office. The
0: crayon letters from uh, like a a seven or eight year old. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah, they put them up in my office and, you know, there you go. They were on my mind, 365. So um, and getting something in the mail, you know, who gets stuff in the mail anymore? Right. So it would stand out. I'd say, wow, it's a package on my desk. What is that? And it really um, made a difference. So any way that you can engage them, whether mailing something or via email, not too often, but when you really feel like there's something significant that you'd like to share.
0: So it's not really that uncommon. I mean, it's not really that different than keeping in touch with individual donors. You know, all right, so you're saying, you know, you wouldn't include them on your in your e-newsletter mail list. Okay, that's that's an exception. But but you know, your major donors, like your inside individual donors, Mm -hmm. you keep in touch with them, Mm -hmm. you build relationships with them for when the time comes that you are gonna be asking them. Mm -hmm. I mean, these are all strategic relationships they're they're not like you said they're not altruistic mm-hmm. uh you know there's a purpose behind these but it's it sounds parallel to individual relationship building
1: it is okay it is very parallel and it's so odd i know i know a lot of fundraisers that are like really good at engaging with individual donors and i tell them like that that's just not my jam and then i think about it i'm like well they're, they're really a, a lot alike <laughs> Apply yeah, the same strategy, yeah, so yeah. that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, it's 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 necessarily um, a difficult thing. It's just you just have to do it right, like come up a strategy
0: and apply it. Because even Bank of America is made of people. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're you're a person. You have feelings. You like to be kept in touch with. You know, you like to get warm, soft, fuzzy, you know, things in the mail, like you're saying. So, you know, even Bank of America is made of people. So yep. connect with connect on a personal level. All right. All right. So then let's just follow the, that relationship through a little bit. So now let's suppose there is a a grant application deadline hmm. and now it's, I don't know how, like how far in advance do we find out about these things? like three months or six months? Is random. <laughs> it, it varies. It's random. Yes. Okay. okay. All right. So you find out now there's an application three months, mm-hmm. three months, you've got three months, but you've got a relationship with the, uh, with the company. Yep. Um, what do you, do you pick up the phone and say, Whoa, you know, can I apply or do you, you just apply or what you how do you
1: leverage the... your
0: how do you leverage your relationship to that yeah.
1: You pick up the phone, you send an email. Hi, Sally. We just saw that you guys have an RFP available or um, a grant opportunity available and it's due in June, whatever, whatever. We're definitely interested in applying. This is the, the program that we're looking for funding for. What do you think? Do you think this would be a good fit? Thank you so much for your time. I know your time is super, super precious and you're super busy, but thank you for your time and any insight that you can provide will be very helpful.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, and then you go ahead. I mean, you got to follow You, you got follow all the details. You make the point somewhere that if it says uh, font size 12 yeah, and you do font size 11 and a half, uh, you're, you're putting yourself at risk. Exactly. Okay. And then your work, of course, is preparing. You know, you got to get budgets and referrals and, and you got to, you got to follow the, follow the, all the, all the guidelines?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of our work, we're, we're unique at thinking in grant consulting because we cover um, all aspects of grant seeking from beginning to end. Uh, we do the nonprofit consulting to strengthen your organization. So you submit a strong proposal. We do the research, we'll go out and find a grant opportunities, we'll do the actual writing, which you're referring to, and we actually do the evaluation support. So we'll evaluate the program um, at the end of the program. A lot of nonprofit leaders have to form four different relationships just to get all of that done. Um, But our team actually has people on staff to do all of those things. So we make it really easy for nonprofit leaders.
0: We were talking about grants. Uh, grant application but mm-hmm. how do how does it vary if it's if it's sponsorship?
1: Uh sponsorships It's it's and it's weird because the it's changing with sponsorships before it used to be just mar- a marketing spin, right? It was awareness and I'm talking about corporate funders, it was just bringing awareness to a brand, right? Um and it was tied to kind of like, you know, how many people are going to see us and, and, you know, the quality of the the target market that we're engaging in all that. And I find that like sponsorships are getting more like grants now, like they they want impact. They want um, outcomes and, and objectives and all of that. So they're kind of like a, a hybrid, uh, so to say. But grants are definitely just um, very structured, just the classic, hey, you know, what is your mission? What is your program? What is your budget? What are you hoping to achieve? How are you going to measure success? Mm-hmm. The application for a sponsorship, I would say, would most likely, and again, they, these lines are blurring, not be as intensive, although they do vary by funder. Um, but um, yeah, so I would say that they, they're for the most part, not as intensive, but I find them getting a little more intense as far as asking very similar grant-related questions.
0: Are you seeing a lot of companies that want employee engagement as a part of sponsorship agreements?
1: Absolutely. So the employee engagement piece is key. And what that looks like is having uh, employees, opportunities for employees to come out and volunteer with a nonprofit organization, or sometimes it's the exact opposite. There's some corporate funders that won't even give to your nonprofit if it isn't recommended by an employee or for an employee is not you know, um, active on the board or volunteering, or that they will see kind of employee recommendations before they give or give a preference. Or sometimes there'll even be a question there, like, do you have some of our employees that are um, engaging with your nonprofit? Like, what is their role? And a lot of those questions are optional. um, But some um, won't even give unless it's like referred to employees. So employee engagement is, is key. And I think a lot of nonprofits overlook that, because that is something that, corporate funders value, but sometimes nonprofits don't always have the capacity to engage.
0: Right. Um, You know, if if it's a sizable company, I mean, they want maybe hundreds of employees engaging in in a volunteer capacity or like I've heard of, you know, maybe stuffing backpacks Mm -hmm. or uh, if it's a if it's a soup kitchen or something, you know, then Mm -hmm. then there's ability for cooking and serving and and administrative work as well, but mm-hmm. it, it it could be a like you're saying. I mean, it could be a capacity thing. Like you just you may not have the capacity to manage the the number of employees that they want to have volunteering.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah, because I mean, you need a volunteer manager. You need to you know, it has to be a good experience for the corporate sponsor.
0: Yeah. All right. So you you, you got to manage capacity too and mm-hmm. think about what's appropriate. But on the other hand, you know, it could be a small it might be a small local company where you know, maybe they just have like 20 employees mm-hmm. and they want to send half of them, you know, once a month to, to spend five hours or something. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe you can maybe you can accommodate 10 employees for five hours twice a month. Yeah. OK, think about. It. All right. Um, what do you um, what do you say? You mentioned the LOI, the letter of inquiry or interest. Mm-hmm. What do you what are you saying in, in an LOI?
1: So LOI, um, some, some funders will give specific instructions on how to respond. Okay. It's almost like a mini grant, right? Um, others are just kind of open-ended, like, hey, just send us an LOI. And so for the open-ended LOIs, usually it's just a brief summary of your organization. When I say brief... I mean brief. It is not a whole historical (laughs) layout of your organization. It's very brief just to give them some context for you to start talking about your actual program. So once you give a brief overview of your organization, give a brief overview of the project very succinctly, and talk about how your project can potentially align with a lot of the great work that um, the funder is doing. Uh, Depending on who the funder is, you know, you may want to end it with, you know, something to to make you stand out or really align with what the funder is looking for. But in essence, that is what LOI
0: looks like. It's time for Tony's Take Two, Podcast Pleasantries. I'm enjoying sending the podcast pleasantries, which at times have been podcast pleasantries, but they're not today. These are the ones that have survived the pleasantries because, you know, it's it makes me nostalgic for the studio days when there were live listener love, affiliate affections, and podcast pleasantries. Yes, the studio days with Sam. The podcast pleasantries are the only ones that survived. Uh, the other audiences, uh, well, I cast off. It's not that they, it's not that they departed. I cast them off. The podcast pleasantries, and I mean the affiliate affections and the live listener love, in that order. So you know, I'm, I took the initiative. And what remains is our biggest audience, the podcast audience. You, yes, you listening right this minute. I'm sending pleasantries to you. I'm grateful you're a listener. How much plainer can I make it? And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm enjoying sending these podcast pleasantries. They may end. I'm not sure. I'm not sure when the podcast pleasantries will end. Let's just let's just go with it, see how it feels week to week. I think that's the, the best strategy. Not not to make any commitments, long-term or otherwise. Pleasantries to you, our podcast listeners. Thanks for being with me. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got Buku loads More Time for Relationships with Funders with Siobhan Richardson. Let's go back to where you, you uh, are su- submitted your, your grant application. Now you're waiting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you leverage your relationship that you, that you have with the, with the funder to, to ask, how was it received or how does it look? What, am I, what do our chances look like? What, what can you do after you've submitted the application? hopefully by the deadline. If you didn't make it by the deadline, you're out, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. They, okay. they hold fast to the deadline. Um, I would say, I mean, this is very a really difficult question to answer because while an application is being reviewed, you don't want the appearance that you're trying to sway a prog- uh, program manager's mind or influence it while it's pending. Okay. So oftentimes, um, if you check in, they won't respond. Because they'll say, we'll get back to you after XYZ deadline. And that's it. So for some, it's, it's sit and wait. Um, if you're fortunate to have some type of in to get some insight, then the, that, that's just pure fortune because you definitely don't want to have the appearance that you're trying to influence or get ahead a while they're in the process of reviewing applications.
0: Okay. So, it's, so the decision is supposed to be made based strictly on the application. So- at that know. point,
1: yeah, because you know it's it's a competitive thing, right? So you know you can ask all the questions you want prior to submitting, right? Build all the relationships you want. Um, once that deadline hits, they have all the applications in. Um, they're in the process of reviewing the applications, so you almost have to allow that to go. But if you do find someone that says, "Hey, <laughs> I was in the room and it gave great feedback," or "Was a phase two, and like that's all just right. that's just a blessing because that. That definitely doesn't happen.
0: Okay. Okay. So don't, don't, don't overreach. Like then you're, then you're taking advantage of the relationship. Yeah. And, and that's obviously a negative. Okay. Um, but it sounds like you would encourage folks to, to definitely be in touch during the application process while you're, if you're not sure about what, how to answer a question or, you know, as you're preparing the application, it, it's, it's, it's fine to be in touch.
1: Of course. And I would even take it a step further. I would even say don't submit an application if you have not had some type of outreach or connection with someone in the office. I mean, really, like like we call it submitting a cold app, just submitting it blind. You've never had a conversation with anyone in the office. There's no connection. They'll most likely look at you and they'll say, "Well, well, who is this person? All right, well, maybe we won't approve it now because we need to get to know them better, maybe they'll reapply, and we'll consider it then. So I would definitely say before you even think about submitting an application to have some type of connection, some type of outreach with the funder first
0: Let's switch to the uh, the, the private foundation side is is it Is it very different relationship wise
1: mm-hmm. I think it's the same relationship-wise. I think access and capacity is different. Uh, There's some foundations that have, um, are all volunteer-led. They don't have paid staff, right? So you may not be able to get someone on the phone to talk to. They may have board meetings once a quarter, um, and you just have to submit and wait till they meet right? And so the capacity is limited, but then you have other foundations that are very, very friendly and very open to talking to people and encourage the outreach and have the time and the resources available. So it depends on capacity. I know that uh, COVID and, and working from home changed things a little bit as far as capacity. Uh, you know, before we might've been able to get um, folks on the phone when they were in the office, but now that they're home, it's like, you um, They have a bigger workload now because of shifts in, you know, staffing and different things that have changed. So getting someone on the phone might be harder because now they have so many applications to manage, right? Because every nonprofit needs money, especially now in the middle of a pandemic. So, you know, maybe when they were in the office, pre-pandemic, they might've had some time to have a conversation with you, but now that they're working from home, they might be down a staff member. They have more applications. Their capacity may not be the same.
0: All right. So yeah I guess you would start with the website to try to figure out whether they accept uh calls right and inquiries by phone, like you were saying on the corporate side, but after that, just i mean if if the website doesn't really say, just reach out and try and see what see what happens
1: yeah, and I will also say and not to to make it more complicated, there's some foundations out there that don't have websites, oh. no way to connect with them. Um, you might get a phone number, right? Like there's foundations that don't have websites. And so that's why sometimes beyond just your normal, a Google search, uh, sometimes I will say, you know, go to a grant writing firm or a nonprofit consulting firm. And if they're willing to do some research for you um, go that route, because I know we have, you know, just relationships with funders and people we've worked with that don't have websites, but we have, you know, the connection there and we're able to kind of like, you know, make an introduction or do something. And we have our ways of finding out who sits on the board and, and, you know, how to make those connections. And so, you know, try to do as much as you can on your own. But I would always say, like, if you need help, like, don't be afraid to kind of reach out for help, especially if it's one-time support, right? To get a, a insight on opportunities that are available out there and the relationships that you need to build.
0: Okay. Yeah. A foundation that doesn't have a website, Sounds pretty closed. I mean, they're not even they're not even telling publicly what their funding priorities are. So you have to drill down and do research. Yeah. Um, what about the? Um, well, it used to be the Foundation Center. Now mm-hmm. is it Candid? The the mm-hmm. uh, the the service that they have, which is a subscription service mm-hmm. for for uh, grants for foundation research. It yeah. Used to be FC. I forget what it used to be called. FC something. FC Foundation Search.
1: Center okay. Online
0: foundation center online Mm -hmm.
1: is
0: that i mean i know i know listeners have to subscribe to it Mm -hmm. but is that a valuable um research tool
1: absolutely a lot of those those foundations um some are um have websites some don't right um and so using as a resource you can always pull up the funders uh, they link to 990 so You'll see an address and a phone number and a list of board directors. And there's a lot of um, insightful information. So that's definitely a good resource.
0: What about on the federal funder side? Hmm. Talking about uh, a a federal agency. What's the relationship building like potential there? Yes,
1: this is a good question. So it's, it's kind of different. Right, it's not as um, personal as far as sending emails. Hey, this is what we're doing. It's more informational, and so every FOA, and, and that's a the, um, the opportunity announcements for federal grants, yeah, what's uh, a fo- mainly gotta, Yeah,
0: I have drug um, and We have drug in jail. I'm sorry, familiar, so um, what what the heck is a FOA?
1: Federal Opportunity Announcement. Okay, you'll okay. hear it reference that. You'll also hear um, RFP. What does RFP stand for? I don't know. That's Sorry, guys.
0: The, that one we know. Request for yes. proposal. Yes. Okay. That one okay. I know
1: anyway. So, um, so with that, you will always see a list of uh, everything you need for the grant. What to include. Um, how to submit. Um, and usually, they'll have multiple documents. Sometimes, um, if you go to their website, you'll see frequently asked questions. Uh, always attend their webinar. Always have the opportunity to ask questions during the webinar. If you didn't attend, a lot of times they'll have replaced. So it's good to attend that first. And I say this because they always have a contact of a person to reach out to if you have questions. You want to be able to reach out to that person uh, if you have questions, but asking questions in a way that you're kind of sharing more information about what you all are doing and, and, and building a relationship that way like having a person that you can go to to ask questions. The reason why I heavily recommend reading the RFP in its entirety and and listening to the webinar because you do not want to ask questions that have already been answered. They don't like that. Yeah, they don't like that. You're not demonstrating that you're listening or paying attention or, or, or doing anything, right? So having that person that you can ask questions is a way. I mean, I don't want to use the word relationship, but it's a way that, so that they know that you're serious, right? It sounds like it's process. a more
0: professional. It's it's a more. Prof- I mean, these are all professional relationships, mm-hmm. but this one's a little more arm's length, maybe. We say. Yeah, more arm's yeah. length. The, the, okay.
1: Yeah. no sending, you know, emails of, of the latest updates, like, you know, none of that, nothing in the mail, like uh, it's a professional relationship for sure.
0: Okay. Okay. Um, Let's see what happens when, uh, when you get turned down, suppose you have the, suppose you have the relationship. I don't care whether it's corporate or private or federal Well, federal, you have some kind of relationship, but whatever Mm -hmm. you get turned down, but you you do know somebody at the, at the funder, Mm -hmm. you're, you call sobbing, you're not sobbing, but (laughs) you're disappointed. You know, what, what do you, what do you recommend when you get the rejection?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, being rejected is never easy. It's often disappointing. Uh, I I say that, that that's an opportunity to position yourself for your next wind, right? Um, I always ask for feedback on the application and some things that we could do better to strengthen the application next time. I think that's very invaluable to get that sort of insight and be able to resubmit, but taking consideration the insight that was shared. And also just um, keep on applying for other grants. And I'm going to speak to the emotional piece because I think sometimes it discourages nonprofit leaders to a point where they are they lose their steam, right? And they don't want to keep applying. But mm-hmm. I will say rejections do happen. Um, keep applying to the next grant opportunity. See it as a learning lesson and see it as an opportunity for the funder to get to know you better and for you to get to know the funder better and just be more aligned with what they're looking for.
0: Okay. So it's it's, it's good to reach out, and get the feedback mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On, on the... Go ahead.
1: What were you and, and with federal grants, i was just going to add this. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, a reviewer um, will provide comments on the proposal and know that you can always ask for those comments.
0: Okay. And I'm that's afraid.
1: feedback as well. Okay. So that's how you get feedback for a federal grant, for a foundation grant. It's hello, we received a decline letter, would love to get any feedback that you can provide to improve our chances for applying in the future or to be better aligned. Now, you may not always get a response because especially with corporate funders, um, you know they don't ever wanna put it out there like they're giving one nonprofit an advantage over another. So sometimes they may just say, if they do a reply, they'll say, um, yeah, you didn't, you know, you didn't make it, but, you know, here's the link if you want to apply it in the future. And so if you don't get a response, don't be surprised, but definitely try to get some insight.
0: Okay. And you might have that relationship. I mean, is it okay to pick up the phone to the person that you have the relationship with and ask them? Yeah. That's not overreaching at that point. No,
1: no, no, not, not not at that point. Yeah. It's already been decisioned.
0: Okay. Okay. What, what do you want to spend a little time talking about? I've been asking all the questions. What, what, uh, what do you think uh, relationship building wise? Yeah. What haven't we talked about that, that you want listeners to know?
1: I just want to emphasize the importance of doing it. I know that uh, you know, nonprofit leaders, executive directors, those that sit on, sit on boards, your time is stretched. And we understand that and we know it. And there's so many competing priorities. But I do recommend for nonprofit organizations to have a relationship building strategy. The top 20% of the folks on your list that you want to reach out to this year and focus on that 20%. Have a strategy in place. And it's not only just calling and emailing but also engaging in person when we're able to right (laughs) in the community right that's another way to build relationships and have those authentic connections so I know it's definitely sometimes uh, not easy because there's so many responsibilities but it is definitely definitely important and it will take you much further than um, what you think
0: you practice yoga right I do does your does your yoga practice inform your work? Does it impact your your work?
1: I will say it keeps me balanced, right? Like I think everyone and I encourage nonprofit leaders and business owners alike to find something that that keeps you balanced, because writing grants uh, is is sometimes can be really stressful, right? It's a, it's a high pressure, deadline driven industry. Very cerebral. Very cerebral. I, I'm fortunate. I'm an introvert, so this this works very well for me, right? I am I'm in the right uh, profession for sure.
0: You don't sound but like an introvert. You are. I don't. I am. Sure, I am an
1: sure. extroverted introvert. <laughs> what All is right. an extroverted that little,
0: introvert that uh, sounds a little oxymoronic what is an extroverted introvert well, i get you are one but how do you uh, yeah well, it, it yeah. depends on the setting is that it? you like you if there's a microphone in front of you then you're an extrovert but if you're at a party you're an introvert what, what how does well, that work does well that work?
1: what it is if you're an introverted person you um refresh Fuel yourself by doing introverted activities. So if it's being by yourself or reading and writing, that's the way you refuel, refuel yourself. And then when you do extroverted activities, it drains you, right? You feel like you have to kind of like come back to your reading and writing to refuel yourself. Mm. Extroverts are the exact opposite. They refuel themselves by interacting with people and talking and being out and doing things. And then if they're doing something that's like quiet and reading a book, it drains them. So you really have to identify what drains you and what fuels you. And I know being an introvert fuels me. And I do like doing extroverted things. But when I do them, I am completely exhausted. If I'm speaking somewhere, I have to plan a uh, The next morning to just decompress and do some yoga and some introverted activities to kind of refuel myself before I kind of get back (laughs) in the mix of things.
0: Okay. And you ride horses too. I do. So that's another, I guess that's an introverted uh, activity, right? That's a solo. I mean, you could be with yeah. one other person or something, but that's pretty much a solo activity, right? It
1: is, you know, and I look at the things that I do like to do and they tend to be solo activities. It's just, it's just very strange. Although I I, I like people. I have a, a great team. We're really well connected, but I do know that I enjoy horseback riding and yoga and doing things like that.
0: All right. The extroverted introvert. I understand now. Right. It, it's what you get, uh, What you, which you derive the energy from. Exactly. Okay. So now you're exhausted talking to me for a half no, hour? No, I'm
1: good. I think you- this was this was good. This okay. is a nice balance for me. I think, you know, if I was doing a um, keynote somewhere, I'd be totally exhausted. That's different. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Good. <laughs> Nonprofit radio is not exhausting. No. No,
1: it's All good. Right.
0: Thank you, Siobhan. Thanks very you're much welcome. for sharing. All yes. Right. Siobhan Richardson. She's at Siobhan Richardson. And the company is at Think and Inc. Grants dot com. Next week, Gene Takagi returns with "Build Your Best Better Board," Bud. Maybe we'll leave out the Bud. That's sexist. We we'll keep that. Keep the Bud out. It'll just be "Build Your Best Better Board," and Gene Takagi. Always a pleasure to have him. Look forward to that. That's your next week's show. All right. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great.